I got an email from Vicki Egan this past week, and it was a prayer request from missionaries in northern Iraq, Dan and Marilyn Wilson. And they knew that ISIS was coming, and so they told all the children, it's okay to denounce Jesus Christ. Because what ISIS does is they come into villages, and uh, they're just savages. You know, they basically say you have to denounce Jesus Christ. The children, not the parents, but the children, you have to denounce Jesus Christ. And these kids have been so much taught and influenced, modeled the Christian life, that uh, every one of them said, I will not denounce. And their lives were taken. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So Dan and Marilyn are still staying uh, in the area, even though the UN has ordered all missionaries out. They just want to minister to all of these families who've lost their kids. And of course, at their own risk, who knows what's going to happen uh, next. So we think about that type of thing, and again, we ask the question, why? And if I were God, I'd be sending lightning bolts down. I'd wipe all of ISIS out and that type of thing. But uh, we need to remember that God has a plan for this world, and he is sovereign. And we want to talk about uh, the justice of God today. Yeah, it's a serious topic, so... But it's one that needs to be addressed. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your precious word of God. Thank you for all these precious family members who came today to be part of our family worship time to you. Thank you for their obedience in being here and gathering weekly to praise you and to learn. And I pray that you would really just speak to our hearts and our minds uh, today. Help us not to close down. Uh, when we hear something that we don't like or disagree with, but help us just to be open and listen to your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. We've had a great had a great time of going through this series by Chip Ingram. How many are part of a small group and are going through the material? All right, excellent. How many are maybe just reading a book? Anybody just reading a book? Yeah, I really encourage you to get to read a book. Yeah, it's great stuff. And so I'm going to be sharing uh, some of Chip Ingram's insights uh, today on the justice of God. And to give us an idea again, we talked about this a couple different times, but eternity and why things are happening like they are today, we just described. So eternity passed and just keeps going and going. There was never any beginning. And, and so you work through eternity past and then... Uh, you get to the point of the creation of man and woman uh, in the Garden of Eden. And that's uh, Genesis 1 and 2. Now again, God put them in an unbelievable place. <laughs> they had everything that they needed. But again, remember we said he gave them free will. He gave them the choice because he didn't want them programmed going, I love God, I love God, you know. Do you really love me? And so, of course, they're told not to eat a particular tree, and uh, they were tempted, and Satan helped out as a snake to uh, make that decision, but they made the decision to disobey God. 
and that was the fall of mankind. That was a very serious thing, obviously, because God had created the perfect world, and now sin had entered into it, and everything changed. This was not uh, what God desired. So all I had to say is that, uh, of course, Adam and Eve, you know, they adopted a sinful nature because of their decision, and they've been passing down the sinful nature from generation uh, to generation, as well as the curse on the world. We talked about the weather, and you know, this world is just messed up, okay? And it's messed up because of sin. Sin is a cancer that eats away in each of us if we don't use the power of God uh, to control it. And you, you can just view people around you in your neighborhood at work, and you can see sin at work and lives being devastated, families being destroyed. Sin is a terrible thing. And that's why God hates it so much. But this is kind of a unique parenthesis because if we go from Genesis 3 to Genesis 19, that's the parenthesis. Then in, uh, or excuse me, uh, Revelation. Uh, in Revelation 20 and 21, that's when eternity passed and essentially gets back on track uh, with no sin and just a bright new world that we'll be a part of. But in this parenthesis, uh, God has, again, set things up in a certain way that everybody is going to be held accountable for what they do on this earth. But at the same time, it's not going to be immediate. So you ask, why do you know, bad things happen to good people? Well, we live in a fallen world. Another question is, why do good things happen to bad people? <laughs> yeah, you wonder sometimes, huh? A person who's an atheist, and they're just living life, everything's going their way. And you know, What's the deal with that? Well, part of our biblical worldview. This world is messed up by sin. But at the end, there will be a judgment that will, again, rectify everything that's happened in this life. God's justice uh, is, is amazing. Uh, Revelation 20 uh, 15, uh, talking about the end of the world. Uh, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, remember that? Your name is written in the book of life if you know Jesus and you've accepted this free gift of salvation. That's the most important book <laughs> in the world, <laughs> right? Other well, than Scripture, uh, my name is down there. I hope your name is down there too. Uh, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So uh, that's a great white throne judgment. Everybody you know, everybody who has ever lived, if they have not claimed the payment of sin through Jesus Christ, will be at this judgment. And God is going to judge them based upon their deeds. And so you, you think about hell. He calls it here a lake of fire. There's many different ways we can think about hell, it's just going to be a place of suffering and a place of being alone and a place where we wouldn't want anybody, anybody to go to. And the interesting thing is you look at Scripture, uh, there's different levels of hell in terms of suffering, like a Hitler is going to suffer for what he did, much more so than your next door neighbor. 
Okay, so there's different types of suffering because he's punishing them based upon their deeds. And therefore, uh, they'll be punished in different ways. So that's important to know. Let's look at God's justice. Psalm 97.2 Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. So this is the throne of God. Uh, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And so the foundation, I mean, you, you should really write this down to read, this particular psalm. It's really cool. It's like a pyrotechnic show. You know, God is sitting there on his throne. There's lightning and, you know, there's fire, all that kind of stuff. And it just shows, again, his transcendence, that he's totally holy. He's totally different from us. But notice what the foundation of his throne is. His foundation is righteousness and justice. It's really his holiness, which is the main attribute that kind of sums everything up. He is totally separate. He is totally other. He's perfect in every way, and we go on and on. But the point is, righteousness and justice are so important to God because it's a part of his character, and that's the way he operates. We see it revealed in creation. Romans 1, 18 19, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Well, how do they know God's shown it to them? Romans 1, 20. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So as we study God's creation, we can see His attributes reflected in what He's done, in the things that have been made. So they were the out excuse. And they saw creation. And they knew there has to be a rationale behind all this. There's a cause and effect. And then, of course, you've got you know, just all the amazing things that God has done uh, through creation. And I know there are different types of views of evolution. Um, some people believe that, you know, God used evolution and all that kind of stuff. And the main point here is that, you know, did we really come from a big bang? Did we? I mean, just think about your body. Think about how it heals itself so quickly. I mean, we could study the human body for weeks and see all the things that God has done. Did that just happen? Are we just kind of like upgraded gorillas? Did God put His image on gorillas? No, He did not put His image on gorillas. He created Adam and Eve in His image. No gorilla uh, or some form of primate has ever had the image of God. That's a difference. That's what the Bible teaches. And uh, people think about the primordial soup, you know, (laughs) that we must have risen out of. Do you really, does that really make sense to you? I mean, as you study life, as you study the creation of the world, we were just out in Colorado this past summer, and to see those mountains and to see that beauty and and the autumn leaves, right? How many of you have been enjoying the autumn leaves as you drive to work? (laughs) You got to catch it somewhere, right? So uh, I, I did some driving uh, on Monday, and uh, I just rolled down the windows, and I just let the 
there, just, you know, uh, bring me refreshment. And I just looked at creation. And I said, God, this is, this is not happen, happenstance. Okay? So from creation, we know there is a God, that there is a creator, that this was designed in some way. It just didn't come out of nowhere by chance. Another way that God reveals uh, His justice to the world, and this is the most powerful, most powerful way He does it, is through uh, His Son. John 5.22, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. So when we talk about the great white throne judgment, Jesus Christ Himself is going to be sitting there and is going to be judging these people and sending them off to Christless eternity. Now, sometimes we don't feel comfortable with that because that's not the image of Jesus that we have, right? But He died for us. But at the same time, He has to judge us because God's righteousness is pure in every way. And it has to happen. Romans 3.25 uh, it says in the previous verse, Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. Propitiation means to satisfy and to reconcile. And that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. He satisfied God's need for justice, God's need uh, for punishment, uh, for our sinfulness. He satisfied that which enabled us to be reconciled with His blood, uh, reconciled with God, to be received by faith. That's the only way you become a Christ follower, right? This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. So the point of it all was to show God's righteousness. Now we look in Romans 3.26. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Now, nothing, nothing sums up, nothing clarifies for me how righteous God is in the sense that he had a standard. 100% you need to be holy. And Adam and Eve fell, and we've fallen. And, you know, you might think God would sit back and say, well, you know, I really don't want to send my son. I mean, I know I have to satisfy justice, but is there some other way that we could work this out? But God doesn't think that way. Because somebody has to pay the price because God is a righteous God. He's a righteous God, and therefore He cannot put up with sin, and justice must be served because that is who He is. He could be nothing else. And I just love this verse because it sums up such a beautiful truth about what God did for us. So, He was righteous so that He might be just. So He already is just, right? And the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. We talked about this before. I mean, God looked at this situation and He said, the only way I can pay, or the only way the price can be paid 
is I need to pay it myself. So he was a justifier that can make us just and righteous because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We think about Jesus' experiences. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So that's what happened on the cross. The righteous for the unrighteous. And this is the teaching of the justice of God here. And so we're talking about this. The righteous for the unrighteous. So he, God cannot have a relationship with somebody who is unrighteous. And so therefore, he sent himself down in the form of Christ in order to pay that penalty. And, and often I've talked about this, the idea that you know, the most painful time for Jesus Christ on the cross was not the physical sufferings, even though they're very painful, obviously, but the emotional suffering in those last three hours on the cross from 12 to 3 when God turned his back on Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now he knows, but that's his humanness. He had never been separated from the Father before. They always had perfect unity and fellowship, and this is the first time. Now, I don't know what that pain is like. And, and on top of it, when you, what does it mean to have the sins of the world laid upon you? I mean, everybody's sins. Hitler, Stalin, everybody. You know, all the atrocities, ISIS, all the things going on over there, everything we see on the news. Every one of those sins was laid upon him. I, I don't know what that would feel like emotionally to somebody who's never experienced Sin, not that he was sinning, but he was bearing the sin. I don't know, maybe it's like hot oil uh, poured over your body. But, but it was incredibly painful, obviously. And why did he do that? Because he loved us and he wants a relationship with us. And the only way to do that, to satisfy his righteousness, was to send Jesus Christ himself to the earth. And that, that just speaks so much of the purity of God. He can't bend the rules because he is the rules. <laughs> you know, he's built a sense of right and wrong into each of us. And for him to go to that extent to satisfy his righteousness. Uh, you know, I study other world religions and boy, I tell you, you just study Christianity. And it is so different from everything else. It is so totally unique. I mean, it makes sense. Now, I know mine, people, people's eyes are blinded. But uh, once your eyes are unblinded, it's like, wow, this really does make sense. And, uh, and just to know that a God is 100% everything. I mean, you don't want a God who is 99.9% righteous, right? Even that little bit would cause doubt in your mind. Can I trust this God? Maybe I'm that, you know, 10%. <laughs> I don't want to be the 10%. So that is so beautiful. Uh, now, uh, we talked about uh, the great white throne judgment. But let's move on to the, uh, the Bema Seat. Uh, now, there will also be a judgment called the Bema Seat judgment, which is uh, outlined in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 10 uh, through uh, 15, and this is when all of us who have been redeemed by God uh, will stand before Him, and we are to give an account 
for how we use our lives. Now, God has forgiven us. There's no sin in our lives. But we, when we become a Christ follower, we're given the wonderful responsibility to be a steward. And he gives us all types of things to manage. Now, your money, that's not God's money. That's not your money. That's God's money. Right? Your car is God's car. Your house is God's house. And everything is His. And, and He's given you those things to steward, to manage. And the Bible tells us that, you know, in a sense, He's going to come up to me and say, Okay, Dan, this is what I gave you. What would you do with it? Uh, and uh, we see this uh, in this passage. According to the grace of God given to me, this is Paul speaking, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. We'll see later that foundation is Jesus Christ. He's right at the people of Corinth, and he said, okay, I came in and I taught you the gospel, and you received it, embraced it, and therefore you have a foundation in your life that God used me to lay in your life. Your righteousness. Uh, again, all those things that go along with salvation. And someone else is building upon it. Now, who's building upon it? Well, the Corinthians were building upon it. You know, when you become a Christ follower, you get this great new foundation in Jesus Christ. But then, the Bible teaches that we're to use our lives to glorify God. And we build our lives in this analogy. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. So be careful how you live your life. Be careful how you use your resources. You use your time and your talent. Uh, you got to be careful because God has entrusted something very, very special uh, to you. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So that's the foundation, Jesus Christ. Now then he goes further in verse 12. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, sound like good building materials, I would say, <laughs> and wood, hay, or straw, that would have to be the opposite, right? <laughs> That's the weakest things you could use to build. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Again, this is not a judgment in any way. God is just asking us, you know, how do we do on earth and managing this stuff? And, and in this analogy, you know, we, we see all the things that we put into our life, you know, all the things we've invested in, and, and all the things that we've done, and how we've responded to God and worshipped Him and our relationship with Him. So you're building, you know, your life as you go uh, throughout uh, the days and the weeks and months and, and the years. And what he's saying is that some Christians, uh, they become a Christ follower and maybe they show fruit for a while, but then they get off the path and they just become a casual Christian and a person who is really not living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, a person who is not spending time in His Word and prayer, a person who's not... Um, I mean, really, they still are the center of their lives instead of Jesus Christ. It's really all about them. And we can all relate to that, obviously, right? You know, we're sinners. 
I might still live that way <laughs> to a certain degree. But the whole idea of holiness is becoming more like Jesus Christ over time. There will always be sin in our lives. We'll deal with one sin and then another one will, oh, I've got to do that. <laughs> so the point is not you're working toward perfection. The point is that God wants you to be holy. And He wants you to build a life that glorifies Him, that reveals Him. So this is the analogy of the idea if you built your life with precious metals, gold and silver and precious stones, well, when the fire comes down, they're still going to be there, right? Because they were done for God, because you were obeying God, a lot of other reasons. Uh, but if you were a casual Christian and you just kind of said, okay, I got my fire insurance uh, and I'm just going to go on and do my own thing, you're going to use uh, the uh, materials that the world has to offer in terms of materialism and pleasure and uh, status and all those different things that the world chases over. That's wood, hay, and straw. Uh, that did not honor God. And uh, that's going to be burned up in a moment. So, we see in verse 12, Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver... Oh, excuse me. Uh, let's go to the next slide. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, and of course that's going to be the gold and the silver and the precious stones, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, not only as through fire. <laughs> kind of like by the skinnier teeth. <laughs> it's because of what Je and again, Jesus Christ... You know, he has made us righteous. We're 100% righteous. But this is the idea that when we move in uh, to heaven and we spend this eternity uh, with God, there will be rewards. There's a whole doctrine of rewards found in Scripture that's not talked about uh, very often. Uh, but And a lot of people say, well, you're just going to cast your rewards down at Jesus' feet so they don't really matter. Well, they do matter. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about it. He knew that we were motivated by rewards, I guess. But uh, the point is, is that the way you live your life on earth will determine what type of role you play uh, in heaven. And, and the new earth uh, and the new heavens are going to be just like, very similar to our life here. You know, responsibilities, jobs, but everything will be great. It's going to be awesome. But the way you live your life will determine, based upon God's uh, judgment, you know, what type of position you'll have. You know, whether you'll be a leader or servant or whatever the case might be. Uh, and, and that's really interesting to think about, isn't it? That some people will just make it in by the skin of their teeth because they put their faith in Christ. And uh, again... I don't want you to be confused here. We, we're not preaching salvation by works. I'm just teaching this text as it's, you know, understood in the sense that there are just rewards. Now, everybody's going to be incredibly happy in heaven. You're not going, oh, man, I wish I would have done better, you know, just moping around. You're not going to be jealous of anybody, right? I mean, you're going to have the best life ever. But at the same time, certain people, because of what they've done. And well, won't it be interesting to see who will be honored in heaven? Uh, 
I see a lot of old ladies, you know, ruling the place. <laughs> the prayer warriors and faithful to God throughout their lives in the midst of challenging circumstances that they kept living for God, they kept putting their faith in Him. So my point is that this is not going to negatively affect your heavenly experience. It's all going to be good. We're saved. Our, our sins are not held against us, but at the same time, there is an accountability that we have with God. And, uh, yeah, now I, I want to give two caveats here. First of all, the, those of you who are very introspective and very sensitive and you're kind of, you know, crawling into a ball right now. <laughs> you're thinking, oh, <laughs> I'm going to be working. Well, there's no sewers in heaven. So <laughs> I'm going to be sweeping the golden streets. <laughs> I know that. I just know it. I just have to stop you right now. Stop it. <laughs> okay? That's not the purpose of this teaching. All right? If you're like that, you're probably following God pretty close anyway, and you're not giving yourself credit for it. So don't go, don't, don't, don't go down that path. Now, there's other people over here. For, to, to get a spiritual truth through their head, you've got to take a two-by-four. Right? You ever met people like that? You just keep talking to them, talking to them, talking to them, and, and until something really happens, like boom, Oh, I understand now. Well, you really need to take this to heart because you can be living a very casual Christian life and you know you're going to heaven, so you're just taking your time and you're enjoying life. And what you need to realize is that God bought you at an incredible price and He wants you to live for Him. He wants to be your Lord. He wants you to submit to Him in every area of your life. Uh, he wants a lot from you. He wants everything, right? And again, there's a lot of motivations for holiness that we find in Scripture. Uh, but this is one of them, you know? Okay, well, if I, I serve Jesus down here, you know, heaven might, you know, just be a whatever, you know. I'll get rewards. So... You know, take it as as it is, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but please do not become overcome. Because <laughs> you're saved by faith, not by works. This is just talking about extra rewards, and, and again, uh, you're not going to be disappointed for eternity. <laughs> All right. Now, one more application here of God's uh, vengeance. Romans 12:19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay. Now think. Do you have any bitterness in your heart right now towards someone? Your ex? One of your children? Your boss? And are you trying to take the responsibility away from God to judge that person? Have you ever had uh, fantasy retribution? <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, if this happened to that guy or this happened, <laughs> we can get very creative. <laughs> and we're really, really, really angry, right? But the problem is, friends, is that people hold on to that bitterness and they will not forgive. When it says right here, don't do it. Never avenge yourselves, whether it be in your mind or whether it be uh, 
in uh, you know, trying to punish the other person for what they've done for you, but leave it to the wrath of God. That's <laughs> like, wow, the wrath of God, wow. <laughs> That's pretty intense. Uh, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You see, God is just. And at the end of this parenthesis, as we talked about, don't worry. Everybody's going to get what they deserve. Now, at the same time, we as Christ followers are not going to get what we deserve because we've had the, the glorious opportunity of knowing Jesus and uh, being made righteous in His sight. But So what you have to do is you just have to let go. Now, who is, who is a better person to judge that person who hurts you? That, that, that did abuse you or whatever the case might be. Are you the best person to mete out the punishment or is a righteous, holy, just God the person to do it? I want to do it. I know you want to do it, but who is the best person, though, to do it in the right way? And it will be done. It's God, right? So you need to forgive that person. You need to let go of that pain, and just give it over to God because they did do wrong against you. And say, God, I'm going to forgive that person because you forgave me and whatever I, I know you'll do best. Because you're, not, you're the worst person to judge. You're all full of emotions and you don't see things clearly and you're not, many times not seeing your part in the problem. Yeah, you're the worst judge. <laughs> I mean, you've got to get an outsider. You've got to get the judge okay well friends um, if you have never experienced uh, what it means to know Jesus Christ uh, if you have never been taught the gospel that we can't get to heaven by our good works that we need to uh, accept this free gift that God gave us on the cross that brings us back into the right uh, with uh, God the Father I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you right now or some other time just to go to God and say, God, I'm a sinner and I need what you did for me on the cross. You paid the penalty for my sin. I can't do anything else. You're the only hope. And put your faith in Christ. And that will transform everything. Let's pray. Dear Father, I want to thank you uh, for this study. Uh, a little difficult. Um, but you are a just God, Lord, and we have, to, we have to teach all the Scripture. And as we talk about your attributes, your righteousness and justice is so important. And uh, we just really need to help, you, help us understand that these are confusing things. Sometimes they don't make sense to us. But I pray that uh, my friends here would take these verses home, go online, and uh, continue to explore what your justice means. Lord, thank you. In Christ's name, amen.